River Bank, we believe you can heal, grow, and fulfill God's plans for your life as the power of God touches you through this prophetic teaching by Pastor Dominion. Get excited and hop into it. Grow so that you make advancements. He doesn't want to, you to have contradictions in your life. Where in your spirit, where God looks at, you are righteous. But in your day-to-day endeavors, we see contradictions. He says, crave spiritual milk. What it means is this. Your method that you've been using has been wrong. You've been trying to be righteous, doing every other thing except craving spiritual milk. He says, this is how you will grow. This is how you would advance. This is how you'd be better. This is how you'd look like the salvation you've received. This is how you look like the righteousness you've received. This is how the possibilities of the Holy Ghost in you will be manifested. It's a crave spiritual milk. So, God doesn't only want you to be saved. He wants you to grow. So, when you hear that salvation is by grace and not by your efforts, and there are mirrors of scriptures that establish that you are saved by grace. He said freely. You do not have to do anything to be saved. You don't have to do anything to make heaven. He says whosoever believeth shall not perish. In verse 18 of John chapter 3. He says he that believes shall not be condemned. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1, he says there's no condemnation for those in Christ. So, apparently there's no condemnation for you. Heaven is open to you. It's home. He has accepted you. That's what the Bible says. He says he has accepted you into the beloved. Not by anything you've done. But he doesn't stop there. He wants you to grow. Oh, say I'm going to grow. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 4. Please open your Bibles. First Timothy chapter 2. Thank you, Holy Ghost. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 4. Are you there? First Timothy 2, verse 3 and verse 4. Are you there? Let's read together. It says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and what? And what? He says, God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and. And. Now you have been saved and grow in the knowledge of the truth. So, my question is this. Have you been growing? I know you'll be coming to church every Sunday. But have you come to the knowledge of the truth? Listen, it's a lie when people say, you can't understand God. You can't understand the Bible. Nobody can know what is truth. It's a lie. The Bible says God's desire is that you are saved and you come to the knowledge. You are at home with truth. You are able to discern between lie and truth. 
The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says strong meat belongs to those who by reason of exercise, by reason of use, can discern between truth and lies. So, you can't just keep coming to church and not be able to know what is true about God and what is not true about God. You can't keep coming to church and not know what's true about eternal life, about eternity, about making heaven and what's not true. You can't just say, we don't know what's the mind of God. You can't just say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, God can do anything he wants. We can't understand God, it's not true. He says, come to the knowledge of the truth so if the devil can deceive you that you cannot know if it's God's will or God might want to do it for his glory or and so we are not sure anything we see we just collect the devil can play games and you will not know praise the name of the Lord last week during devotion one of the things we learned was this. They asked Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Because many people think that because of my sins, that's why my father's business is not prospering. Because the man does all of these evil things, that's why his business is stagnated. Because my mother is this and that, that's why this is happening to her. Because I'm not holy, because I'm not perfect, because I'm not this and that, that's why I'm facing all this disappointment. Who sinned that this is happening to this man? If he was born blind, was he the one that committed the sin? Is it his parents' fault? Is it his fault? Jesus said none of them. There's a devil on the scene. Simple. We can be sure about certain things concerning God. That's what it means. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They said God wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. Final scripture on this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Please open your Bibles. I want us to read together. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Are you there? Response, are you there? Read together, one to go. But the seed falling on good soil refer to someone who hears the word and understands it he says this one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what is sown reading everybody matthew 13 23 want to go listen listen Many of you have not observed this scripture carefully. He's talking about the word of God sown in your heart. And he said, apparently, when you hear a sermon, you're not just meant to keep it in your jaw and move on. It's meant to produce fruit in your life. So, Jemima, we can say, you heard a sermon last month. Has it produced fruit in your life? Has it produced fruit in your life? Can we see the evidence of the word of God that you've listened to in your life? Many of us don't approach church and the Bible this way. We just come to church so that we don't feel guilty that I didn't go to church. But that's not God's desire. 
God wants you to come to church and then we are able to see actual fruits result of the word of God in your life and he said it happens in different degrees for some people the word that they heard last month produced 30% increase 30% of its capacity for some people it produced 60% of its capacity what it means is this God doesn't want you to just come to church to feel that you know to just pamper that religious guilt that how will I not be in church have I lost my home training no there's actual progress there's actual advancement meaning at the end of this sermon there's a particular growth there's an expectation that God has of you oh my goodness So have you been deliberate about spiritual growth? Many of us think it just happens. No, it's not like that at all. And so this month we want to look at it step by step. What does spiritual growth look like? Because many people don't know. Ah, many people have funny ideas of what they think it means to be spiritual. Funny ideas. Some people think that spiritual growth, that when I grow spiritually, I'll just be flowing in the gift of the spirits. I'll just see you and I can tell you your phone number. I can tell you what you ate last night. I can tell you where you were yesterday. So for them, that's their perspective. Many people's idea about spiritual growth is satanic. Listen, let me tell you something. I've told you this before. God and the devil have the same agenda for your life. So, if your idea about spiritual growth is how to be flowing in spiritual gifts, guess what? There are magicians out there. They can cook up something for you and you just see somebody and you tell them their name. You tell them details about them. The devil can do the counterfeits. So, if that's your idea about spiritual growth, the devil can corner you one side and give you what he wants. So when God has a plan for your life, the devil is like, look, I can give you this thing, no. Own this thing, I can give you. And it's biblical. So, we learned, I think it was two months ago about Christ, or last month about Christ, that Christ is king. In John chapter 18, they asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? He said, for this reason was I born. Imagine that statement. Are you a king? He says, I came to be a king. So immediately he was born. They said, where's the newborn king? There was an overarching prophecy on his life. It just followed him like a spell that he was a king. When he died, they put an inscription on his cross. Jesus Christ, the king of the Jews. This is what God called him to do. He prophesied about it. He said, the government shall be upon your shoulder. And then the devil said, kingdom, that's what you want. Come, guy. Matthew 4, the temptation of Jesus. He said, look at all the kingdoms of this world. He said, they are mine. I will give it to you. So, if Jesus was just obsessed about kingdom, and he wanted to have all the kingdoms of the world, the devil would give him cheaply. 
So, spiritual growth has to be defined properly. You have to draw the fine line. Because if this is God's original idea for you, the devil can come and play games. Praise the name of the Lord. I said many of us have funny ideas about spiritual growth. Many of us, our idea about spiritual growth is just based on our greed. You don't want anybody to talk to you anyhow. You want to be able to say, you. Are looking at me somehow, Abby. Looking at me somehow. You that you did this and this and did last week. I said, oh, I'm sorry, sir. So don't let me expose you. I can't the chat you sent to somebody. Never pass on your phone. No. I didn't read, I didn't see. Some of you, as you are saying, my eyes are seeing eyes. That's that's all you are thinking about. You want to be able to, some people want to be able to walk in miracles so that when you come, they'll say, Need down here. Everybody from here to here, just need down. You want healing? Healing, no. <laughs> So let's look at a few things that are not spiritual growth. That's where we'll start from. What spiritual growth is not? Are you ready for that? Five things that spiritual growth is not. Five things that spiritual growth is not. Five things that spiritual growth is not. Are you ready? Number one. Spiritual growth is not seeing visions, dreaming dreams about the future. Some of you think that when I grow spiritually, finally, after maybe a hundred years of trying, I'll be able to see visions, I'll be able to dream dreams, and have prophetic dreams. Some of you, if God gives you a vision now, you say, maybe it's just my mind, I've not reached that level. So, for you, spiritual growth and part of the component of spiritual growth is that you are able to see visions. Some of you are scared of seeing visions because you think you see demons. I'm shaking tables, isn't it? <laughs> You're scared. You are okay with knowing that demons might be around, but let me not see them. You're not afraid. At least if he's here and I can see it, I can turn to this side. But maybe where you should put your head to sleep. Maybe that's where the demon should put his lap. <laughs> so some of you think that spiritual growth is seeing visions. What a lie. Oh my goodness. Listen. Listen to me. You do not even need to be a Christian for God himself to give you a legitimate vision from him. Legitimate. You don't even need to be a Christian. Simple example. Pharaoh in the Old Testament had a vision about 14 years in his nation. Ah! And you are complaining that certain prophets in your country can say that this is what God will be doing the next one year. Pharaoh was talking about 14 years and he wasn't a believer. I mean, there's nobody that will say Pharaoh was a believer, Abi. And he saw, he dreamt and it was from God. 
what it means is this divine god can give you dreams he can open your eyes to see vision so listen stop pushing it to the future because even if god gives you a vision some of you just discard it i uh, just overslept that's why i dreamt no not to talk about the funny ideas some of you have about visions you think that when you see a vision you see somebody standing in front of you the way joshua is standing in front of me you think that's what it looks like that i just see somebody physically it's a vision it's a vision it's not a physical event and why is it that some of you think that anything about the realm of the spirit is demonic what's the problem you just naturally assume that there are more demons than angels so if I just see it must be demon no no number two spiritual maturity is not working miracles or demonstrating the gifts of the spirit spiritual maturity is not what Spiritual maturity is not what? It's not working miracles. This alone has accounted for why most Christians do not work in miracles. I'm not there yet. I cannot do it. What are you saying? This is why he said, come to the knowledge of the truth. Peter said in Acts chapter 3, he said, why do you think that we were able to make a lame man work by our own power or by our own righteousness why do you think so it's a wrong ideology why do you think you need to grow to a certain height to work miracles what's the problem it's not true you don't need to grow spiritually to work miracles it's a gift did you hear what i said i said it's a gift it's not the reward of growth it's the gift for believing what christ has done for you do you hear what i said many of you know this in john chapter 10 jesus sent all his disciples the 12 of them he sends them out he says go and preach the gospel of the kingdom he says heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers cast out devils i'll say it again he said heal the sick he said raise the dead he said cleanse the lepers you see someone with a skin condition he's saying, in the name of jesus i command you to cease except if the person patronizes saints <laughs> and then he says cast out devils hey guess who was among the people that did it judas now judas wasn't saved judas didn't care about jesus he didn't care about the salvation work he didn't care about forgiveness of sins through the blood of jesus oh my goodness but guess what judas did he healed the sick he raised the dead. He cast out demons. 
Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. Now, this is you seated here with the Holy Ghost on your inside, with the name of the risen Christ for your advantage. And now you can't work miracles. You are waiting until you grow. Who lied to you? So, now, let me tell you something. All of those things are an attempt by a believer to undo what the devil has done. Realize that the reason why people need miracles many times is because of what the devil has done. The reason why you need to expel the demon from a person's life is because the devil is oppressing that person. And then you have the advantage you can help the person and the devil said listen while i'm oppressing that person let me deceive you too so that two of you can be under my custody you need to grow he has lied he has lied how can the holy ghost be in me and with that power i mean god in my inside and I'm talking from that place of authority and I tell a demon to go and it won't go. How? How? He says in my name you will cast out demons. He didn't say you beg. He didn't say when you've prayed. He didn't say when you fasted. He says in my name by my authority I stand as king of the universe and I speak through you. That's what he's saying. So who is that devil? I mean can the demon resist Christ? I'm asking you a question. Can the demon resist Christ? So what's the problem? He's speaking through you. The Bible says Christ in you. The hope of glory. This is the perspective to have. This is why last week I said Christianity is not just a faith to believe. What is it? It's a perspective to sustain. That's different from what Ruth said. Last week I said, I told you I was going to drag you at me. You can see me dragging her. I'm coming for you. Last week I said, on the scale of what? Everybody, on the scale of what? I weigh the same as Rutumba head. On the scale of 1 to 10, I weigh the same as God. There's something about being small in stature that just makes you feel like it's about it. I'm kidding. Christianity is not just a faith to believe. It's a perspective to sustain. So, I can't just go around believing that if God opened my eyes and I see a demon, I should be afraid. Afraid? He says you would expel demons. You would cast them out. Get out of here. And the demons are mandated to obey you. Who? They are mandated. Their response is obedience. It has nothing to do with you. It's God's structure. I wish you would sustain this perspective. Spiritual maturity is not walking in the gift of the Spirit. Number three, spiritual maturity is not discerning demons. In everybody, in everything, in every situation. You know those people that are always sniffing demons anywhere, everywhere? Why you wear, just look at wisdom now. Say, see his hair. Why is he wearing black shirts? 
Why is he wearing black trousers? Why is he wearing black shoe? I'm suspecting something. They just see you now and just say, ah, what's this on your hair? Ah, where did you see cobweb that is on your hair? Hey, cobweb on my hair. Hey, my enemies are after me. Calm down. Tinder swindler gang. <laughs> My enemies are after. They are always, your enemies are always after you. Spiritual maturity is not about sniffing demons in every situation. You just look at the person. Why are you not smiling at me? You are my enemy. How? I might be having a bad day. This person is not always greeting me. My prayers are affecting the person. Who told you? Listen. There's an operation and a faculty in the believer called descending of spirits. Do you know that? That God wants you to actually be able to discern which spirit is in operation at a particular point in time. It means that discerning spirits is God's idea. It's not a creation of man. So God puts in you a faculty, an operation that you're able to discern. It's not guesswork. That from your spirits, you can know and that you can use the authority of Christ. It's not suspicion. Most will just suspect. They suspect everybody. You come into a new compound, they just believe everybody in that compound is demon-possessed. You say, why are you so fine? You must be, like, tell me now. Why are you fair? Who is fair here? They just suspect you. It's not fair now. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Spiritual maturity is not praying 247. That's number four. Have you seen those people that they can't even greet people? Simple courtesy. If you want to just, hello, how are you? They feel like, you see, that demon distracts me from my prayer. Why are you on the streets then? You can go to a farm out, you see nobody. Like Jesus, you only see serpents. Can go there. Spiritual maturity is not praying 247. And this is the problem. Many of us think that if you are not praying 247, you are not spiritually mature. And some people even go ahead to say that they pray 247 eh really how how nobody is able to pray 247 don't you realize it already I know that you need to work on your prayer life some of you we need to resurrect your prayer life say in the name of Jesus come back to life that's all we need to do But also, spiritual maturity is not that you're praying 247. Let me tell you something. 
If you don't learn how to pray, pray to for seven, the devil will still oppress you. Do you know that one of the most prayerful groups of people in this country claim to be the most possessed and oppressed people by the devil? Do you realize it? What a conundrum. How can you all How can you every day praying, 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 three hours prayer, vigil on Friday, Sunday evening prayer, Monday prayer meeting, Tuesday prayer revival, and then you still are oppressed by demons? Is the devil really that powerful? Why don't you just give up? Because if you do not learn how to pray well, if you do not come to the knowledge of the truth in prayer, keep praying. Zero results. Look at the prayer life of Jesus. The disciples observed him. And they said, my goodness, what kind of man is this? People looked at him and said, what kind of authority does this man have? He speaks to demons and they listen. They are not scared like you. Or rather, he's not scared like you. He said, teach us how to pray. The challenge is this. Many of you, even when you are taught, you will not do it. If they say, this is how to pray, to walk in the power of God, you will not do it. So, it's not just praying two for seven. We've already established in this church again and again that Bible prayer is protracted. That be exactly is protracted. The Bible said they put Peter in prison, and the people prayed until Peter came out and knocked on the door. So I'm not saying that you don't need to pray protracted prayers. I'm saying you need to know what prayer looks like and how to pray. Praise the name of the Lord. The final thing on what prayer is on spiritual maturity is not. Is spiritual maturity is not condemning others. It's sad. But some of the most evangelical persons... On the streets in Nigeria, the most judgmental people. They are diligent, they are consistent, but they are not mature. So they stand on the streets and shout at your window every day. Repent! Or else you go to hell. And then they now start saying other things that maybe God handed over to them. If you have attachments, you are going to hell. If you wear black and black, you are going to hell. If you sleep at the left side of your bed instead of the right side, you will not go to the right place in eternity. Just about anything that comes to mind. They brought a woman to Jesus. They said, we caught her at the very act. Jesus said, I did not condemn you. 
So where's your maturity from? If you are condemning people, the Bible says we do not have a high priest who is not touched with the feelings of our inadequacies. When we see you condemning people, we know you are not mature. Many people don't want to be Christians because Christians are judgmental people. That has to change. That has to change. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. It wasn't that Jesus endorsed what she did. It's not that the woman did what was right. It's that he did not condemn her. And there are two different things. There is her action. There is his own response to her action. So what she did was wrong. What he did was right. So when you have people on your contact, when you have friends that do the wrong stuff, what they did and what they do is wrong. You condemning them is wrong. Both of you are wrong. Your response is that there's no condemnation. That Christ that died for my sins, died for your sins and was at the same time. Praise the name of the Lord. So what is spiritual maturity? What exactly is spiritual maturity? What does it look like? Now that we said it's not praying all through the day for seven days. It's not walking in the gift of the spirit unbelievers can. Pharaoh did. He's not seeing visions and dreams. Pharaoh did. What is it? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 and 13. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 and verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 and verse 13. Are you there? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 and verse 13. Are you there? The Bible talks about God giving ministry gifts. Pastors, evangelists, apostles, teachers. He says to equip are you there? To equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be what? Built up. What does the version say? Edified. So, listen. God wants you to be built up. He wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to just be where you've been. He wants you to make advancements. You see what I'm saying? So what does it look like? He says until. Now this is where you pay attention. Built up until we all reach unity in faith. So he's explaining what it is. He says until we get to unity in faith. What does that mean? The word is unanimity. Agreement. Let me explain it to you. Um, recently, um, there was this um, 
legal case that everybody in the world was watching. Johnny Depp and an Amber Heard, right? Yeah. And it was a defamation case where the woman said the man did something that the man did not do. And so they dragged themselves to court. And so at the end of the whole hearing, the jury made their decision. And this is what the judge did. There were about 11 people in the jury and they were the ones that were going to see if who was right and who was wrong, right? After they read out what the jury believed happened and who was right and who was wrong, the judge asked the jury, is this thing that was read a unanimous decision and agreement by every one of you? And they said yes. What it means is this, everybody in the jury, excluding nobody that was a member of that jury, had anything that was not in agreement with what was here written. It was a unanimous agreement. Everybody agreed and had one mind concerning this situation. Listen, the Bible says we are built up until we get to unanimity of faith. We have one thing we believe. And so, this automatically trumps the idea of individualism in church. That although you come to a church and we show you from scripture after scripture after scripture that salvation is by grace, that Christ is king, and this is how you ought to live your life, you can't say, me, oh, this is what I believe. No, you must come to the knowledge of the truth. We must have a unanimous belief. God's idea is that as a church, we have one thing we believe. If you have questions, you can ask. But you don't have the opportunity to believe differently. This is God's system. Babel is the devil's system. It's confusion. That's what Babel means. Where this one believes this one, this one believes the other thing about one subject. In the writing of the Bible, and they put it together, of the canon of scripture, one of the things they looked at is if there was a unanimous agreement in their doctrinal perspectives. So, if in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says salvation is by grace, you can't come in Romans and say something different. So, when people say the Bible is not complete, there are certain books that they did not add, and they are reading all of those books. Those books do not agree. God's idea is that as a church, we have a unanimous agreement. This is how we pray. This is what the Bible teaches about prayer. This is what the Bible teaches about faith. This is what the Bible teaches about fasting. And we agree. The Bible talk about the early church. It said they were of one mind. You are not a free-floating, unidentified, flying object. No, you're a Christian. You're a part of a body. Do you get what I'm saying? Your body is not a free-flowing, you know, unidentified, flying object. Imagine your eye just pops out and, you know, glides anywhere it wants. That's not how a body works. 
every joint is is knitted together and everyone has his place do you hear what i'm saying listen let me tell you something in this generation that people think because i have a voice i can say anything everybody has their role the role of the eye is not to think it doesn't matter how critical thinking is that's not the role of the eye it doesn't matter how important speaking is that's not the role of your ears the bible says if every part was i how will you hear everybody can be speaking he has put some in the church to instruct believers on what to do to instruct believers on what to believe believers have the opportunity to ask questions and say but how about this but how about these scriptures but you cannot as a believer in jesus christ say you want to believe differently no that's babel that's the devil's idea so when god comes and tells you you cannot eat of these fruits the devil will say what has god said listen he now begins to teach you and say god knows that if you eat of it you become wise you become woke now see where wokeness has taken us to when god says it you believe it that settles it that's what christianity is now i'm not saying you can't ask questions i'm not saying you have to just blindly believe but when you are shown beyond reasonable doubt i think it was last year that i taught this that if you are going to take a city one of the things you need is convincing teaching you must be able to present facts what's your facts what do you have to say and how can you prove that a man's effort cannot win him god cannot win god's heart it's not just by saying it's by grace it's by grace explain explain you must be able to explain it convincing teaching praise the name of the lord but when you have been shown beyond reasonable doubt you don't have coconut head you have the mind of christ believe it are you hearing what i'm saying i say you don't have what you have what when you are taught you believe when you see it you accept you are just you are lying don't say this is what i'm used to you won't grow that way you will not grow here's where the problem is spiritual deficiency is a work of the devil and that's what many of us don't realize that's your this is what i'm used to is a devil's strategy from keeping you from growing the devil is against spiritual growth god's idea is that every one of us is saved and we come to the knowledge of the truth he gives you a pastor to build you until we have unanimous agreement concerning what we believe the devil is fighting it and so the bible said matthew 13 where we read he says when the word is sown in the heart then the devil projects different things the cares of this life legitimate concern for what to eat what to wear 
legitimate concern about what people are saying about you. Persecution. It says they choke the word. He choke. And so the word of God becomes of no effect. So this your concern. This is why listen. When you hear the word of God like this, you must decide to do the word. You must always come to church and say, I want to sustain a perspective I will practice. You must scan through your life and say, I must adjust this one. Because the devil wants to just choke the word in your life and make it fruitless. God wants you to bear fruit and produce the result consistent with what he has said. Praise the name of the Lord. So we said, spiritual maturity is that we come and we agree on what we believe, right? Alright, so open your Bibles. He says, until we come, until we reach unity of faith, he says, and what? Are your Bibles closed? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. He says, so to equip the people of God for the work of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity of faith and what? Knowledge of the Son of God. So as a believer, you cannot be ignorant about Christ. Hi. You can't know about wealth and not know about Christ. Some of you know about Bitcoin, you don't know about Christ. You know all the tricks of TikTok. We know nothing about Christ. Listen. Christianity is not just about knowing anything you want to know from the Bible. He says, until you come to the knowledge of the Son of God, because in Christ we see ourselves. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So, we know our possibilities when we learn about Christ. Are you hearing me? So, you don't know what's possible in your life because of the things you've tried and failed. Oh, I have anger issues. I've tried. I've tried counting 1 to 10. I've tried walking away. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried taking a deep breath. I didn't know that the breath just empowered me for the blow. Like, don't landed one. It's not about what you've done. It's not about your struggles. It's not about your propensities. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a tendency for us to believe about ourselves the things we've struggled over the past. See, you don't know me. See, ah, that's why you're saying I'm the righteousness of God. You don't know me. I know you. You're a man in Christ. And he said, I've tried. He didn't say to try. He said, come to the knowledge of the Son. And agree. Unanimity of faith. Agree. The problem, and this is what we're treating this month, is that people have not understood the trajectory of spiritual growth. They start from the end. They put the carts before the horse.
So, we say spiritual maturity is that we know about the Son of God. We know what He has done. We know what He has given us and we agree. Now, that's different from what you thought. Whilst you are thinking spiritual maturity is the people that do this. The people that do this. He says, we mature until we come to know who the Son of God is and we agree. A man that has agreed is mature. You are like, but how will the things I do change? Trust in the Lord. He said, lean not on your own understanding. He says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Lean not on your own understanding. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Who are you? Are you a person that is struggling? No. <laughs> I'm more than a conqueror. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. My anger is bad. That's not what he says. He says, there is joy in the Holy Ghost. Acknowledge him. Not you. Not your past. Not your struggles. Spiritual maturity. Listen, you must have the kids. Abandon everything you already know. Everything you've already thought. And accept what he says. He says he gave pastors. He gave you a pastor. So that you will come to the knowledge of the son of God. And we will agree that that's who we are. That's what God looks at. That's what God looks at. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, and become mature, attaining to the whole stature of the fullness of Christ. So, chorus one more time. What is spiritual maturity? Sorry? You know it. I know it. I just can't say it, Abby. <laughs> I agree with you. So as we wrap up, here are traits of people that are spiritually mature. Or rather, traits that will help you to be spiritually mature. Are you ready? Five traits that will make you spiritually mature. These are the rules of engagement for spiritual maturity. Number one, you must only listen to those who teach what is clear in scriptures. I kind of emphasize this. You must only listen to those who teach what is clear in... Let me tell you something. This one, you might struggle with it. Because there are ideologies we have that have nothing to do with the Bible. But we believe it. Like as if in every page of the Bible it appears. For example, what is satanic about cats? Nothing, no. It's a man-made idea. 
Say the devil loves to walk through cards. Says who? He told you. He's your bro. Maybe in your life you've never seen a cat that is even demon possessed, but you just believe. Don't you realize it's a problem? That the Bible says God made everything and said it was good. But for some reason, that doesn't count to you. In John chapter, sorry, in Acts chapter 10, Peter had a vision. And God himself told him, Peter, kill and eat. And you know what Peter said? He said, I've never eaten anything unclean. So, let's say that there were certain animals that were considered unclean. Guess the response of God. Don't call unclean what I've called clean. So, maybe you have thoughts that, ah, cat is one of the unclean animals. He says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Learn. Change your perspective. It's not true. It's a man-made idea. It's a man-made idea. It's a man-made idea. Let me see another one. With a caveat, do not try this at home. Do you know that people say that when they are doing deliverance, you should either close your eyes, move away, or else the demon can enter you. Do you know that they don't have a precedence in scripture for that? Do you know that the only instance in the Bible where a demon left one group and entered another group, they asked for permission? They don't have that right. Simple. Oh, maybe you never knew. If they could do anything they wanted, why didn't they just opt out and leave? They said, please, send us into those swine of pigs. Jesus said, go. Well, do not try it at home, Abby. <laughs> Listen to only people that teach what is clear in scripture. Somebody just comes, wakes up, and thinks this Nigeria is difficult. There must be a way. In fact, I went to heaven and I saw things. Write books and sell, and you buy. Book of the week, you will not read. My encounter with devil and hell and heaven, you will read. Say, Pastor, I, I think that things we need to start teaching in this church. You know, um, maybe the sisters should start covering their hair you know the devil told me that attachment you know what i read from that book attachment is from hell you with all the academics see you wasted school fees so so all the excursions to manufacturing centers did not convince you that products come from manufacturing line the lip gloss is the blood of really there's me ex they can come and learn 
the married pastor, girl wife. Well, Grace, I hear what I'm saying. Can you see it? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So now you believe that attachment is from hell. That people that wear weak, the ones that wear human hair, down is worse. There's, there's no redemption. That the sins of the people will come and rest on them. Chapter what verse what exactly? When Christians believe things that have no biblical foundation, it's just sad. I can come, I can literally come up with anything. I can even say pot bellies from the devil. You should be fasting. No pot bellies in heaven. Anything. And people believe. That's what they've done. They just look for anything. Say, if you wear gold or silver, you are going to hell. Ah, but these streets of heaven are paved in gold. Though. It doesn't matter. You know what the Bible says? God himself said, the gold and the silver are mine. You're just not reading your Bible. Listen to only those who teach what is clear in scriptures. Are you hear what I'm saying? Clear. Not they explain it's one kind one. I don't understand, but I just believe. No. Clear. When I have the opportunity, I'm going to teach you 1 Corinthians 11. Where he talks about covering of hair, covering of head. It's simple Bible study. Because of the angels. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Praise the name of the Lord. Number two, I have a lot of scriptures. We are out of time. Number two, you must only listen to those whose teachings do not contradict other aspects of the Bible. You must only listen to those whose teachings do not contradict other aspects of the Bible. You know what the Bible says? It says God is not the author of confusion. There's a unanimous agreement in scriptures. God can't be light and darkness. He says he's the father of light in which there's no darkness nor shadow of turning. So, you can't teach one thing and we say, but the Bible says, and you are saying it doesn't matter. No! You must be able to explain it. You must be able to explain it. The scriptures do not contradict themselves. They agree. God is not a madman. He can't say one thing and say another thing. Many times, what we think is confusion is just laziness, lethargy, just not being able to sit down and study the scriptures properly and sufficiently. For example, when people say, you know, for you to make heaven, you have to obey the Ten Commandments. 
you have to do what the, 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 the law says. It's ignorance. They might be sincere. And so they might think what you're saying contradicts what the Bible is saying. How can you say salvation is by grace? It's not by what you did. Didn't Moses say in the law that you shall not do this and you shall not do this? Yes, Moses said you shall not do it. Is there any problem? No. But what did he, the Bible say the law is suited for? That's the question we should be asking. What is the purpose of the law? Is it a method? Is this your process of making heaven? No! No! It, this is not your requirement for making heaven. How do you make heaven? Jesus said, blessed are the point spirits. Those that look at their spirits and see poverty, emptiness, and see that there's nothing in their spirits that they can offer to God. So it's not about what you do externally. God looks at the heart. So when he looks at your heart, is there anything in your spirit, in your heart, that you can offer to him as an offering? He says those that recognize that emptiness in their spirits are the ones that will inherit the kingdom. So the law helps you to see the emptiness in your spirits. When you see that emptiness, you are blessed because you have access. Jesus said to the Pharisees, the most religious elite people in his day, he says, harlots, prostitutes, Olosho, we enter this kingdom before you. Because they already know there's nothing in me, in my spirit, that I can offer to God. You, you are saying I fast, I prayed, I give my tithes. You are saying things you can give him. Say, these are the reasons why you should accept me. But the Bible says it's those that recognize their emptiness that would have access. The law brings you to your knees and makes you realize that you are poor in spirit. We learned this, I think a week ago, about two weeks ago, God looks at the heart. He says, men that look outwardly. You are bringing men's CV that will pass for men. CV that men would acknowledge to God. No, God doesn't look at those things. He looks at something different. He looks at the heart. So, while it's true that the Lord said, you should not do this, you should not do this, you should not do this, you should not do this. The reason why he's telling you not to do it is so that when you struggle, in fact, when you read your Bible properly, you realize that the Bible says if you keep the whole law and you offend in one point, you are guilty of everything. You know those games you can never win? Any small mistake, you are going back to level one. That's how it is. If you keep the whole law, I'm quoting a scripture, James 2.10, it says, and you offend in one point, you are guilty of everything. After 364 days of keeping everything, the last day of the year, you just do something, zero, you go back to beginning. Then at a point you say, come, who can even help? I, as it is now, I'm just hell bound. You say, now that you realize that there's, that you have the desire, you really want to do it. But there's something that always makes you not to do it. He says, now you realize that in your spirit, that's, that's what he's talking about, it's empty. There's the desire in your mind, but there's emptiness in your spirit. 
Let me show you a scripture. I wasn't planning to go here, but let's look at it. The book of Romans. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray in other tongues for a bit. Shadabarata gabasa gadabasha dabata kutusu patakata patakata patakati.